I want to read a section of scripture that's usually read during this time of the year, but probably should be read all the time. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and then I've got a couple little commentaries, uh, one on one from J.C. Ryle and another one from John Piper. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. All went up to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which he called is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And within these verses, within these truths, within this story, just the amazingness of the sovereignty of God, and then even how he takes care of his children. It's a J.C. Ryle commentary on that section. I'm just going to read the middle point that he made, the second point. Let us notice, secondly, the place where Christ was born. It was not at Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee, where his mother, the Virgin Mary, lived. The prophet Micah had foretold that the event was to take place at Bethlehem. Find that Micah 5, 2. And so it came to pass at Bethlehem Christ was born. And the overruling providence of God appears in this simple fact. He orders all things in heaven and earth. He turns the hearts of kings whithersoever he will. He overruled the time when Augustus decreed the taxing. He directed the enforcement of the decree in such a way that Mary must needs be at Bethlehem when the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Little did the haughty Roman emperor and his officer Serenius think that they were only instruments in the hand of the God of Israel and were only carrying out the eternal purposes of the king of kings. Little did they think that they were helping to lay the foundation of a kingdom before which the empires of the world would all go down one day and Roman idolatry pass away. And the words of Isaiah upon a like occasion should be not remembered. He means not so, neither does his heart think so. The heart of a believer should take comfort in the recollection of God's providential governments of the world. A true Christian should never be greatly moved or disquieted by the conduct of the rulers of the earth. He should see with the eye of faith a hand overruling all that they do to the praise and glory of God. He should regard every king and potentate, an Augustus, a Cyrenius, a Darius, a Cyrus, a Sennacherib, as a creature who, with all his power, can do nothing but what God allows and nothing which is not carrying out God's will. And when the rulers of this world set themselves against the Lord, he should take comfort in the words of Solomon 
there be higher than they. God's sovereignty. And then Mr. Piper also touches that, but just think of how much we are taken care of through the blood of Christ as we've been adopted into that family. John Piper, have you ever thought what an amazing thing it is that God ordained beforehand that the Messiah be born in Bethlehem, as the prophecy in Micah 5.2 shows, and that he so ordained things that when the time came, the Messiah's mother and legal father were living not in Bethlehem, but in Nazareth. And that in order to fulfill his word and bring two unheard of, insignificant little people to Bethlehem, God put it in the heart of Caesar Augustus that all the Roman world should be enrolled each in his own town. A decree for the entire world in order to move two people 70 miles. Have you ever felt like me, little and insignificant in a world of 7 billion people, I guess it's 8 billion now, where all the news is about big political and economic and social movements and outstanding people with global significance and lots of power and prestige? If you have, don't let that make you disheartened or unhappy. For it is implicit in Scripture that all the mammoth political forces and all the giant industrial complexes without their even knowing it, are being guided by God, not for their own sake, but for the sake of God's little people. The little Mary, little Joseph, who have to be got from Nazareth to Bethlehem. God wields an empire to fulfill his word and bless his children. So do not think, because you experience adversity in your little world of experience, that the hand of the Lord is shortened. It is not our prosperity or our fame, but our holiness that he seeks with all his heart. And to that end, he rules the whole world. And as Proverbs 21.1 says, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. And he is always turning it for his saving and insectifying and eternal purposes among his people. He is a big God for little people. And we have great cause to rejoice that unbeknownst to them, all the kings and presidents and premiers and chancellors and chiefs of the world follow the sovereign decrees of our Father in heaven that we, the children, might be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ, and then enter his eternal glory. He is a God, a big God, for us, his little people. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you again. As I seem to always pray, grateful for the freedom that we can gather as a body of believers. Lord, to worship you in song, in word, God, in prayer. Lord, getting to know you a little bit more. But as we do that, we just are amazed at even the little bit of significance that you give us through your son, Jesus Christ, that you take care of us. Regardless of what goes on around, your will happens. Your sovereignty does not fail. Help us to worship you rightly today. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.